We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. And I'm joined by Julie Weisenhorn. Yeah, this makes four weeks in a row. Wow, Everyone's going to be tired it. of me. No, not at all. <laughs> I think it's great. No offense to Mary or Teresa. Mary's on but... next weekend. Oh, okay. Very good. Well, it's good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, you have too. a good week? I did. I did. I I had a lot of time to do some uh, work in my office on campus and clean up a little bit in our display garden where I was doing my uh, annual flowers demonstration planting. Well, you know, for those, I'm just thinking, we're always getting new listeners. Maybe they don't know who you are or where you work. Tell us, give us a little background. We haven't done that for a while. (laughs) Probably about eight years. I don't know. Yeah. I am an extension educator, meaning that it's my responsibility throughout the uh, throughout the state is to bring good gardening practices to people. Uh, I work primarily with homeowners, but also a little bit with commercial, with our industry folks. And uh, and it's really about listening to people and ask, answering their questions, helping them out, and developing educational materials for them. And, you know, extension, our mission is to bring research information, research-based information from the University of Minnesota out to the citizens of Minnesota so that they can apply it in their, in their uh, daily lives. And that, that's not just gardening and horticulture, but extension reaches into 4-H and family development and youth development and uh, uh, also into natural resources and all over, all, all kinds of topics. And the Master Gardener program is just one element. That's right. That. Yeah, that's one of our premier volunteer programs. We also have Master Naturalists, which uh, work with the DNR and, and environmental groups. And so we've got, oh boy, we've got some amazing volunteers. They just really, really bring out, uh, you know, all of this research-based information. And, you know, because we're, we're a small group. We're not, you know, we can't be everywhere. But those volunteers, they're our extension of extension. Oh, so neat, we're so grateful to them. All right. Well, you're going to do. We're going to put you to work again All right. this week. Let's do it as well. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, call in uh, or text in. Same number applies. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. We do have a line open if you want to fill it uh, or send a text. Again, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Should we get, grab a call? Right Sounds away? good. Let's do Let's that. Do it. Uh, Jean is calling from Stillwater. Good morning, Jean. What's your question for Julie? Good morning, Julie. Morning. Question. On transplanting raspberries. Okay. I know, I think fall is the best time. The plants that I'm getting are five to six feet tall, and they're, they've really been bearing good this fall. When I transplant them, do I want to do closer to a heavy frost or a freeze? And how much do I cut those plants down? So a lot of raspberries are, um, uh, I can't remember the official term, but they bear on the canes that, uh, so the canes that you have now are these extremely long green canes. Those are the canes that will bear next year. And, uh, and so if you're going to transplant them, you want to, you, you know, from a logistical standpoint, you'll want to cut them back somewhat. And you could, and I would transplant them right now. 
this is a good stretch. We've got some, uh, you know, it's not going to be too cold. We've got some chilly weather coming, but I would do that right now and allow them to uh, get their roots kind of established before the ground freezes. You can also, if they're if you're transplanting them from someplace like your cabin or if you're transplanting them from another part of your yard, you can wait until spring to do that as well. And uh, and so either time, I, I kind of like to do that stuff in the spring because those plants are smaller. They don't have so many leaves on them, and it's just kind of easier to work with them. But if you're going to do that now, uh, you can head them back or, or cut them back probably about, oh, maybe about a third or so. Uh, down to maybe 24 inches or something to that effect, and uh, just to make them easy to work with. And uh, and just go ahead and transplant those as soon as possible. They are big feeders, raspberries, so you're going to want to fertilize them in the spring when the, when the ground thaws out, and you're going to want to mulch them as well. Uh, if the canes have been bearing this year, they are not going to bear next year. So there's no point in transplanting those that have been bearing this year. Uh, that's how raspberries work. So, uh, so don't bother transplanting those. You want to transplant the canes that are big and long, green, and have had no berries on them. Okay, very good. And you can also take a look at our extension site on our fruits page. We have excellent information about how to grow raspberries and how to deal with any pest issues on raspberries. And the website is? Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and go to our fruits page. Excellent information. Thanks, Gene, for the call. Let's uh, talk to Barb, who's calling in from Princeton, I believe. Uh, Barb, good morning. You're on with Julie. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have a zygo cactus that I got from my mom, and the most of the plant is green and healthy, but the end segments are starting to turn purple, and the dirt that the uh, cactus is in is very hard and compact, and I don't know, should I repot that now, or is it okay? Uh, you could repot that now. Uh, you've brought it... Uh kind of getting in, it's coming up close to the time when it starts to set buds. So you may want to, you might want to wait until, if it hasn't set any buds at all, yes, you could transplant it now, but you may want to wait until after it goes through its bloom, which should be coming up here pretty soon. Uh, The reason that they're probably turning purple at the ends is a deficiency in nutrients. So you might want to repot it. That would help. It would also loosen up that soil. As you mentioned, it's compacted. And then uh, just use an all-purpose fertilizer, really dilute it down at about a half strength, and just feed it every few weeks and see if that uh, kind of takes care of that. I wouldn't worry too much about having to cut off those purple uh, uh, cladophils, they're called, actually. They're not the leaves. They're called cladophils. And, uh, and then, uh, but just let them, just leave them, and, uh, and hopefully that should take care of the problem. We have a great publication on Christmas cactus as well on our extension site under houseplants. All right, very good. Thanks, Barb. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. That's the text number. Speaking of text, we're commenting. All right. Mark from Minneapolis says, Denny, au contraire, we love Julie. She's our favorite. <laughs> Referring to your comment that people are maybe tired of you. No, not true. <laughs> They love you. Thanks, Mark. And by the way, you can you you and the the abiders will be playing. Tell us again, November. Yes, November ninth. Uh, it's a fundraiser for the Mound West Tonka Rotary. It's called the Tonka Brew Fest, and you can find tickets at tonkabrewfest dot 
com. And uh, yeah, it's three to six, and uh, a lot of uh, the breweries around Minnesota are going to be there, about 20 of them, Whoa. along with uh, one or two cideries as well, which are my favorite. Yeah. So come on out and hear us. It'd be great. Out at Gale Woods Farm in Minnetrista. November, November 9th. November 9th. Excellent. Yep. Rock right. and roll. Hang on, Julie. We'll take this uh, bit of a break here. We have uh, more show to come. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in, and uh, we'll put Julie back to work here right after this uh, break. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Oh, boy, we got a ton of text messages just came in in the last, I think, 30 seconds or so. And we have callers on the uh, phone as well. Uh, Here's one. I want to try to catch up here. Can I trim back Wajila now? Okay, so uh, Wajila is a summer blooming uh, shrub. And so you would you would prune that back. You could prune that back now uh, or you can wait until spring and do that. If a plant is a spring-blooming shrub, like a lilac or a spring-blooming spirea, you want to wait until after it blooms in the spring to, to prune it right away. Prune it with you know almost immediately after it blooms. So Wygela is a summer-blooming, so you could, you could prune that now. You could wait until spring to do it, too. Another text, then we'll grab some phones. Uh, do emerald green arborvitae do well in the uh, zone 3 or 4, 3 to 4? Um, I'm not familiar with that cultivar, but... Uh, Basically, you just want to look at one of the growing sites. You know, it could be wherever. If it if it came in a pot and it has a name of a grower on that, you could look up their website and just see what zone it's in. Yeah. Yeah, pretty easy to do. Very good. Back to the phones we go. Uh, let's talk to Kathy calling from Invergrove. Kathy, you're on with Julie. Good morning, you two. <laughs> good How morning. How do I transplant a wandering Jew without just killing it? Because the wandering Jew, as you know, is right along the top for their roots. It's so sensitive. Yeah. So, but wandering Jew are really easy to grow. So that's a, that's a good part of that. So you just want to carefully, you might trim it back somewhat and you could also root those cuttings and add them to the pot later or into another pot for somebody. And, uh, you just want to create, you know, uh, put the soil, I would wet the soil down first, the potting soil before you put it in the pot. And wet it down, get it moist, and then just mm-hmm. carefully uh, dig up that uh, transplant or the traveling Jew, and then go ahead and just carefully ta- push the roots into the soil, make a little indentation, and just put them in the soil. Uh, you might need to uh, take a, a, a piece of um, you know wire or something and just kind of anchor it down into the soil. That sometimes helps to keep it from popping out of the pot. And and it should take real easily. So again, you can uh, if you trim it back, you can also root those cuttings as well. Put them in some water, or or uh, dip a little, dip the end of that in a little root tone, which is a rooting hormone that you can buy at your garden center, and put it in the soil. Thank you, Kathy. Uh, Kathy leaves the line open six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Gary, meanwhile, is calling in from uh, Andover. Gary, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, I got a dwarf apple tree. When is the best time to trim it back, and how far should I cut it in the back? Okay, Gary, I'm going a dwarf apple tree. Apple trees should be pruned in late winter, so you don't want to do that now. And I'm going to refer you to our uh, fruit website, our extension site, and. Uh, there, there are actually three videos about apple tree pruning by our extension educator, my colleague, Annie Claude, who's our fruit educator. And uh, 
you can watch those videos, and that will give you all that you need to know and more about apple tree pruning. So uh, that is on our extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and go to the Fruits webpage, and you'll find apples listed there. And, and there's also good uh, web pages about pest management as well as just lots of other things about apples on that page. It's a big breeding program at the U. One of that advice would hold to this uh, texter who sprayed the, uh, their apple trees as usual in the spring. The apples matured and they turned brown. The skin did. They looked like they could be rotten, but they weren't. When they were peeled, the fruit was fine. Well, they sound like they had uh, like a, a rust or a scab, probably scab. And apple scab is an issue. Again, uh, we discussed that on that pest management page. Because we consider diseases to be pests. When we talk about pests, we're talking about diseases and insects and weeds. And, and so take a look at that web page under our fruits web page on apples and look for the pest management information and apple uh, scab will be in there. Okay. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Doug is, uh, well, Doug was there. Doug just left us. Oh, I'm sure he'll call back. Uh, he'll call back. <laughs> but we do have a number of text messages. Uh, there was maybe you could pick up on this, Julie, because uh, this texter is talking about my raspberries are the type of raspberries that the berries that bear in the fall also bear the okay. following spring. Then I cut them off, and the ones that come up new in the spring bear in the fall and the following spring, etc. I've been growing raspberries for years, and my raspberries are known as ever berries. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. Okay, yeah, very good. Thank you for that. Thanks for that info. Um, let's see. What? What? Can you talk about what? Cuke melons? Is there such? No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a cuke melon. Okay. I'm guessing they might be cucumbers that are round, and there are a lot of. There's a lot of different kinds of cucumbers that are used for canning, in particular. There's one called lemon that's the size of a baseball. And it's perfectly round, and it's. Oh. And it's yellow. I used it. We did a, a study. Uh, the Master Gardeners do seed trials every year, and we did canning cucumbers once. And uh, the lemon was particularly good for refrigerator pickles because you could slice them thin, and they were exactly the size of a wide mouth jar. No so kidding. You could literally stack the stack the. I'm doing my demonstration yes. again. <laughs> and it's radio. <laughs> Sorry, you can't see it. I know, but you could literally stack those slices, and then you could alternate with slices of onion and. And etc. So yeah, it was a perfect can. Say on, on that note, we we have been enjoying those pickles. That oh, you good. Can. Did you have the hamburgers? Oh, Did you make burgers? yes. As a matter of fact, yeah, that's and, really good. Oh yeah. my! I made Cuban sandwiches at home and put the pickles on, and that was great. Oh, oh so good. that'd be good right now. I know. I'm hungry. All right. <laughs> uh, let's see. I'll tell you what. Let's go back to the phones. Dick is calling from South St. Paul, I believe. Dick, you're on CCO with Julie. Good morning. Morning. Uh, the 4th of November, I'm having a tree cut down and grubbed out. Okay. You had a question last week on seeding. Yes. Now, is that a good time? Is that too late or is that too early for seeding? Well, it sounds to me because of the timing, you're going to be looking at dormant seeding, meaning uh, putting seed down after the soil is frozen. It's We, we recommend it into November. Uh, usually it's around mid-November we do that, so you'll be right about right about there. So what I would do is clean up the site as much as you can and uh, just rake up that uh, the soil that is bare now where the tree was. And then when the ground has frozen, you want to get some good quality seed 
and seed that's appropriate for the light mm. that you have there. And so if you have full sun, which hopefully you do now that you have a tree gone, I'm guessing you would. And uh, you want to do that seeding when the ground is frozen. And what it does is it helps you get a jump on the spring, uh, on your spring lawn, because that seed, as soon as the temperatures are right and the moisture is right, that seed is going to germinate. So it gives you kind of a jump start on the next year. We're really recommending it a lot uh, from our turf group uh, to do dormant seeding. And we do have a publication on it if you want to know more about it, but it's actually pretty straightforward. It's it's basically getting that seed down on that soil as soon as that soil is frozen. I just bought some seed the other day getting ready to Woo-hoo! do some dormant seeding. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah, I just got to get rid of the leaves first. Well, but, so there's contact. <laughs> yeah. There's um, good information uh, on our Yard and Garden news blog about uh, kind of a, a replay of a story that John Trappy wrote last year. Okay. And it's about uh, mulching your leaves mm-hmm. or bagging your leaves, kind of like what do you do? And he's got some great points. And, uh, you know, some people ask about like, well, how how do I know, you know, if I have too many leaves on my lawn or or what do I do? So if you want to uh, – if if when you mulch, the leaves are about um, – you don't want any less – any more than 20% of the turf showing. Did I say that right? Any less than. So in other words, no more than 20% of the turf should be covered by the leaf mulch. Okay. That's how you know how much, you know, if you take a look at that, it's going to, you know, it's not a perfect science in that respect. And the leaves should be dry when you do it. And then the finer you can mow them up, the better. So you might pass over them a few times. Okay. Chopping them up. They actually will give, they hold about 2% of nitrogen fertilizer, so you really get a free fertilization oh, wow. to your lawn. I didn't know that. Yeah. It'll break down faster. Good deal. Hang on, Julie. We need to take a break. We have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Call in your question or text in 651-989-9226. That number applies to both the calls and the text. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Smart Garden Show. Danny Long here with the Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M. We have... Uh, Callers, we have texters, Julie. It doesn't end. That's and good. We're glad. We love be it. Out of a That's job. why we are. That's why we're here. But we, you know, as you know, and I know you've mentioned it before, we have very smart listeners. We do, and yeah. always come. come uh, we learn from them as well. That is correct. Now, Marilyn is one of those from Hamburg. Uh, we didn't know what a cuke melon was. Yeah. Does Marilyn but know? Marilyn knows. Yes, I do. Awesome. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my um, I'm the coordinator of our school garden out at Emanuel Lutheran oh, School. Oh, awesome. And, Thank you for yeah, doing that. It's, it's been fun. Um, we um, were introduced to cucamelons last year by a school cucamelons. family, and we decided to plant them this year, and they've been wonderful. It is a um, known as the Mexican sour gherkin, and they are tiny one-inch fruits that look like little miniature watermelons. Oh, my and, gosh. Um, yeah, they're really fun. They can be eaten fresh, and they have kind of a uh, a cucumber texture, and uh-huh. they look like a cucumber on the inside. And one of our families pickled them like oh. pickles, and that was very good as well. Um, I tried them as refrigerator pickles. Initially, the first day after I made them, they were fine, but then they got real shriveled up, so okay. I'm not going to try that again. But, yeah, a really fun thing for kids to try. We grew it along a fence, so it trellised up, and they were fun to pick and easy to pick for the kids. And cool. uh, we we also sold some in our school garden stand. So it was a fun project. So That's awesome. No. Call in and share. What do, you, what do you call them again now? Cuc- Cucamelons? Cucamelons. Cuc- 
Yucca melons, or um, also known as the Mexican sour gherkin. Okay. Where did you get the seeds, Marilyn? Um, I bought the seed, I believe, um, in Mankato at Drummers. Okay. And it's a, uh, the brand was Seed Savers Exchange. Oh, sure. Nice. Mm-hmm. So. You know, we have a we have a program in our uh, learning garden on campus called Go for Adventures. It's a day camp. It's part of our youth and community programs. Uh, it's kind of a collaboration between extension and that or uh, that department. And we do a lot of stuff with kids. I'm going to, I want, that's why I want to know where you got the seeds. Cause that would be a perfect thing to yeah. grow next year. Really different. And we always have uh, eat what you sow is the last session on the summer program. And the kids go out and they pick all the stuff and they actually, the master gardeners have recipes and they make all this food and they just, you know, chow down together and it's great good stuff Marilyn, that's great thanks Marilyn. Th- thanks a lot for taking the time Ooh, Marilyn. Yeah. i have something on my to-do list seed <laughs> all right um there is hold on a second thanks again Marilyn. 651-989-9226 can i prune my ewes back now can they be pruned back a lot and will it uh, I would wait until spring because one thing that happens is when you prune something, it it, it uh, prompts the plant to put out new growth. And we're going into the winter now, and you don't really want to have new growth on shrubs because it will freeze and die and, and turn brown. So just wait till spring uh, and uh, and then do some pruning. And again, on our on our website, we have a good pruning shrubs, pruning trees and shrubs webpage that you can take a look at under our trees and shrubs webpage. Okay. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. That number holds true for both the text and the phone calls. Uh, I wonder if this is one for the uh, the website. I'm thinking of putting three maple trees between my house and the county road. We live in the country. It would be a southern exposure that is exposed to a a or a lot of wind, but the salt from the road should be minimal. What do you think? Is is a maple a good choice? Is there a certain variety that would be uh, good? Um, Different okay. size maples. So uh, the one thing to be concerned about with young uh, trees and maples in particular is the southern exposure. Uh, you would want to definitely put a wrap around that tree. So uh, these are plastic tubes. They're split down the center, and uh, and you put them around the trunk of the tree. And what that does is it reflects the winter sun off of the bark. The bark is real thin, right, you know, when you first plant them. And so that winter sun, uh, when it hits that thin bark on a nice sunny winter day, it will warm up the cells in that bark. And then when the, when the temperature goes down, when the sun goes down or goes behind clouds or what have you or moves in the sky, that bark will freeze again, those cells, and it will split. And so that's, that's one thing. The other thing is you definitely, if you're going to plant a new tree in that space, you want to protect it from animal browsing. So at least... A four-foot piece of hardware cloth, taller if you can get it, and you want to dig it down. You want to make a wrapper or a, a fencing around that, and um, and then be sure that you dig it down into the ground a few inches so that the animals can't really easily dig underneath it to get inside there and eat that bark because they'll they'll girdle those trees in a minute. My my concern with the maple, the one thing I would suggest is that you put in different plants. Is is you look at different trees, not just all maples, but maybe put in. You know, honey locusts or put in some oak trees or put in maple trees. You know, you could do a combination of things, and that way you get some diversity in your landscape, and um, and it, it just adds to that. And also those trees uh, fulfill needs for different kinds of birds and insects, and uh, and so you get 
kind of a, a, a better diversity of, of uh, trees in your yard. So I think it would be fine to put in maples, but I would definitely uh, do those couple of things to protect them. And you might want to look at different kinds of maples. Autumn Blaze is a popular one, but there's also one called Matador, I believe. That's uh, I think it's a, it's a little bit better um, uh, version of Autumn Blaze. We have a, uh, a, a, a lot of good uh, recommendations for trees for the different regions of Minnesota under our trees and shrubs section on the website. So take a look at that. Wherever you're located, you can find that region and take a look at the recommended trees there. And you might find some that, you, that you'd like to mix in with those maples. Good idea. All right, let's go back to the phones. Don in Maplewood is uh, next up on CCO. Don, you're on with Julie. Good morning. How are you? I appreciate your uh, shows in the morning. Thank oh, you. Good. Thank you. My question is, I've got some hydrangeas, and they're large. Uh, they're all of six feet tall. They're taller than myself. Uh, quite frankly, I think they've gotten out of control. They've still got the, the blossoms on them. Some are the crown, and some are just a regular ball. But can I trim them back? Some of the stems on them uh, are about the diameter of your baby finger. Right. Are they, like, straight up, too, those stems? Well, yeah, they go straight up. Um, they're drooping, of course, because they're so tall. Sure. Uh, but straight up, correct. So if the tree is not interfering with a doorway or, you know, a view or something like that, I would wait until spring. I would just okay. let them leave the flower heads on, uh, just leave them out there. And then in the spring, you can take out those those vertical branches that, really stand out weird in a in a hydrangea you can take those right down to the you know to where they join the branch and then you can do some some heading back or some deadheading of those uh flowers because they'll be brown and dead and you could bring uh kind of bring the shape back down to a size that that uh, is more pleasing to you and also then kind of trains that uh hydrangea back into a little bit better form so i'd wait till Mm -hmm. spring to do that Okay. Thank you, Don. Uh, let's uh, talk to Rob, who's calling in this morning from uh, Minnetonka. Rob, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, so I got a question for you. Every year, I get about 30 or 40 plants that I plant, a bunch of plants in potted soil. Sure. And I was wondering if you could recycle that and put it in a pile and just shake out the plant, throw the plant away, and uh, you reuse that soil. So uh, are you planting things like tomatoes and peppers in those pots, or are they just ornamental flowers? Just, just ornamental flowers, you know, just, uh, you know, uh, impatience. Okay. Just a lot of flowers, um, spikes. Got just it. So if, you're pl- if the flowers mm-hmm. that you've grown in that soil have been healthy and haven't had any fungus or issues like that, yes, you can, you can actually leave that soil in the, in the containers over the winter. And just okay. replant them the next year. You might want to add a little bit of compost to them, a little bit of slow-release fertilizer just to kind of rejuvenate that soil. And you can do that for a, no- a few years for ornamental plants. Uh, where okay. I would be careful is if you've, been grow- if you've grown uh, impatience and for some reason you've gotten downy mildew on impatience, which probably you didn't because there's a, a lot of different kinds of impatience that are resistant now. Um, Anything, if you've had diseased plants in it, then I probably wouldn't use it again, uh, especially for the same plants. If you've grown uh, tomatoes or peppers or eggplant, uh, tomatillos, any of those plants that are in the nightshade family, 
in this in that container. You want to grow those in a different container. You don't want to keep growing those in the same containers. They oftentimes have soil-borne uh, diseases, and that they can overwinter in that soil and just reinfect the plant next plant you put in the next uh, tomato plant. So, so if the plants have been healthy, yes, pull out the plants. I will bag my pots uh, with a big contractor's, you know, plastic bag, lawn bag through the winter because my pots are too heavy to move around. That way in the spring, you just take that plastic off and you're ready to go. Add a little bit of that compost in, add some fertilizer in. Uh, and then if you have had diseases in that, in that uh, uh, pot, that soil I'd probably dump out and I would dump it into a compost pile. And I would use it, I would start mixing in things, whether you have a compost bin or a pile in your backyard, and just mix in leaves and lawn, you know, whatever uh, clippings from your yard, and just to break that stuff down. All right, very good. Uh, thank you, Rob. Uh, there's a line open, 651-989-9226. That uh, the number can be used for your text question for Julie as well. We'll take this quick break. You'll be right back with more Smart Garden here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And we're back. We're talking, talking about... Talking hawks. We are. Yes, we're talking about, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact. We get, don't talk gardening get, all the getting time. Getting rid of vermin. Yeah. Yes. All right. Naturally so, right? Yes, no yes. Six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. We have to. callers. We have texters. Let's see who's been waiting. Uh, Kay is calling from uh, Maple Grove, I believe. Kay, you're on with Julie. Your show. I Thank you. Sure. I have a beautiful ornamental hibiscus tree in a pot on my deck. Okay. How do I winterize it? What uh, do I do? Okay. So you want to bring that plant in and clean up any uh, litter around the base of the plant. Wipe off the pot. Uh, you could take an opportunity to repot it if it needs to be. That's always a good thing to do in the fall because you can start with some fresh potting soil in your house and not the old stuff that it's been in. But if everything's been healthy, just clean up the litter, the you know dead flowers, leaves, etc. Wipe off the pot, uh, top and bottom. You want to be sure you get under the edges too because uh, insect eggs uh, can be laid under there like spider eggs and things. And then uh, you might do a little selective pruning on that plant. Uh, there may be some branches that are a little bit out of sort. They're a little bit bigger, kind of sticking out weird. You can cut those back. And, uh, and then it, it's probably still blooming. Uh, I, I, the, when I had hibiscus in my house, they bloomed well into, you know, the, after bringing them inside. And once they've stopped blooming, um, or you have a chance to, then you can maybe do some of that pruning. If you don't want to cut off the flowers, you could do some pruning a little bit later. You want to really check the plant for insect issues. So you want to look underside of the leaves, and you want to clean out any spider webs, and you want to make sure that that uh, you've really uh, taken a good look at it. If you feel that it's got some insect issues, doesn't sound like it does because you called it beautiful, uh, then you would want to spray it with uh, a, an insecticide, for that particular insect, if it's, you know, if you've got mealybugs, if you've got aphids, hopefully you don't, um, spider mites, you want to be sure that you choose a product for that. I like to bag the plant, especially the larger ones, again, with a contractor's bag. I mentioned that earlier. Punch a little hole in it and do a little bit of spraying inside that and then tape over the hole. And what that does is it kind of contains it uh, and prevents it from flying around into non-targeted plants. So... That's just one of my methods, but um, 
But yeah, it's a there's beautiful plants to bring indoors. Very tropical. All right, very good. Let's uh, talk to uh, Ken, who's calling from St. Louis Park. Ken, you're on CCO with Julie. Hi there. Um, quick question for you. I have uh, Swiss chard, sure, um, Carmen peppers, and jalapeno peppers growing in one garden. They've been doing really well all summer long. How long can I leave them on the vine, or what temperature do I need to make sure I pull them off when it's like the last day or whatever? I think I would harvest the peppers this weekend. Uh, just because we're supposed to get kind of a cold snap coming up next week, and they could literally freeze the peppers and turn black. Um, the chard, though, you could keep you could keep harvesting that. Uh, our greens are a little bit more tolerant of that, though. Though I would take most of the chard off. You might leave a few small uh, leaves uh, just to be you know to see if you can keep it going. Um, but you definitely want to get those peppers picked. Okay, thank you, Ken. Oh, we have a lot of text messages. Here's one. Right. I received an orchid, which is now past oh, an bloom, orchid. All right. and I cut off the flower spike. How do I proceed with care feeding and watering with dry Minnesota autumn and winter approaching? Okay. So uh, the, the orchids are, uh, what I would do is I would take a look at our houseplant uh, publication on uh, managing pests and houseplants. That gives you something to, like the person with who called, uh, Kay, who called about the hibiscus. You want to look over that plant really well. Make sure that it hasn't uh, got any pests. Treat those pests. You can wash the plant off in the sink uh, with a sprayer. That's always a good thing to do to kind of get dirt and dust and other things mm-hmm. off of it. And you want to put it in a, a window that gets some light, but not probably direct light. So, uh, you know, a easterly window is great. And, uh, and you want to water it with, uh, not with uh, tap water, but if you have a well, well water is good. If you want to buy distilled water and add a little bit of orchid fertilizer to that, that's good to do. And you can also use reverse osmosis water, which is the water that you can uh, that you have at grocery stores that you can go and refill your uh, water jugs. That's called reverse osmosis. That water has literally nothing in it. So there, you would want to add just a a little bit of uh, orchid fertilizer to that when you water it. When you water your orchids, put them in a sink, let them dry out. Uh, don't keep them really wet. They're contrary to a, a lot of, uh, you know, people's thoughts is, is that orchids like to dry out. They're, uh, they're um, uh, epiph- uh, epiphytes. And, um, and so put them in the sink and water them with that special water. And uh, let them drain real well and then put them back into the window. All right. Very good. Important thing is don't, get them, don't keep them too wet. Don't mist them either. That just tends to collect in the grooves of the plant and rots out the leaves. Tech says, we'd, we'd, uh, would like to keep some geraniums to enjoy again next summer. Can I put in an attached garage over the winter? Uh, you can if your garage is heated. Uh, you don't want to let them freeze. So you can move those geraniums if you have a basement uh, where you have kind of a cool, dry area. That would be better. And it's dark. So you don't want those plants growing. Now you can grow them in your window. You can grow them as a house plant through the through the winter. That's sometimes easier for people than trying to find the perfect location to to overwinter them and let them go dormant. So you can put them in a sunny window again, just like with these other house plants. Clean off the pots, clean off the soil, make sure that there's no insects coming in with that plant. Uh, do a little bit of judicious pruning, and then put them in a sunny window. Keep them watered, and they'll bloom for you in the winter, which is really a nice thing to have. Uh, here's a question for you, Julie. Uh, Texas says, I transplanted my bearded iris too deeply. Any hope they will bloom? Nope. 
you're going to have to dig those up in the spring and just raise them so that about half of that uh, rhizome is showing above the soil. It's not going to bloom if they're planted too deeply. Uh, greetings, Texture says. Our sedums that we just planted this summer were clear-cut to the ground this week. Will this kill them? Probably not. At this point, the plants are going into dormancy, and they're not actively, probably not actively growing too much. So uh, they're starting to kind of, uh, you know, get ready for winter. So they'll probably be fine. All right. We're just about out of time. All right. um, I have an acre, Texas says, a semi-urban lot with a pine tree windbreak across one edge of the yard. The grass in the area of the trees, of the pines, has been growing sparsely for a number of years. Can I overseed the grass with pollinator mix and convert the area to a pollinator's garden without tilling the whole area? Well, you can do that, but remember that you've got those pine trees that uh, you still have to have enough sun uh, for those plants. So if, if that's the case... Mm-hmm. Uh, then yes, you can do that. Uh, you might rake up the lawn or rake up that area, uh, pull out any grass that you have or cut cut it really short, and then put your seed down so you get maximum seed to soil contact. So do some rough raking. Do you can do that in you can do that now, uh, like a dormant seeding, or you can do it in the spring. Okay, but whatever you do, November nine. Yeah, is come the hear date. the abiders and support our Mount West Tonka Rotary. It's uh, going to be a fun time. The Tonka Brew Fest, a Tonka Brew Fest. Dot com. And what about that great website at the U of M? Yes, the website, uh, extension.umn.edu. Uh, go to Yard and Garden and be sure to subscribe to our Yard and Garden News blog so that you're not missing anything that we publish every two weeks on that blog. Excellent, Julie. Good, Great, great to yeah, see, see you in again. a couple weeks. Very good. We All look right. forward to that. Thank you, Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.